raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Josh Fitty Marlowe filling in once again. It's becoming his show, folks. He's going to take my name off of the show here soon. I can't get sick or this thing is just going to be the solo Fitty show. And then you're going to take over 12 hours programming. We're here on a Wednesday and you are still manning the entire show. I think this is all going according to plan to you like i'm a little scared as long as you'll allow me to be on the mic i will greatly appreciate it i mean look uh, there was a few weeks ago we were uh, having a meeting with the higher ups here at wfnz and i got asked fitty if there's anything you could change what would it be and i was like man i really like my name on the show that i mean that got denied quicker than me on a dating app and then i started going to work <laughs> and i started my plot and sh- slowly but surely Wes Bryant's been missing now for three days. Y'all <laughs> oh no, both what'd have, you do to Wes? Y'all both have a vacation coming up. Um, I know where y'all are going. I know where, you, where y'all will be at all times. This is creepy. And uh, there's a very good chance that, you know, next Thursday is y'all's last Thursday on the show. And mine, too, because, you know, they're not going to allow just solo fitty. But I'm at least doing my best to get three hours of josh finney marlowe well i can see the transition you look much more professional now you have your polo on you look like you're ready to go you're not wearing gym shorts the last couple of days you're actually wearing either golf shorts or i'm i'm expecting you to wear khakis tomorrow (laughs) expecting you to wear some slacks some nice dress pants of some sort to continue to look more professional as i sit here in my short sleeve hoodie and then you can just go to the boss higher up higher up higher up hey look i don't think this is how people should be dressing and you point to me once you go into the studio i don't think this is how people should be acting and sure enough your plan is going to come uh come to fruition oh yeah there's no denying when wes does return when i show up in my pajamas no questions asked i think i've earned a pajama day oh i love holiday radio especially on a friday and like dude i don't know about you like it got it got cold and then it's gotten like cold cold like i walked outside this morning didn't check my phone to see how cold it was it was like 29 degrees when I got in my truck at 8.30 to come to work, and I was standing there in shorts and a T-shirt. Yeah, well, I even, you know, me, being as dumb as I am, <laughs> forgot my coat. I walked out. I was just going to walk out outside real quick. I had to go to another place to record the podcast because of construction going on at my house. And so when I recorded, I was like, wait, I left my jacket at the crib, and now I can't go back and get it. And so I'm just going to continue to roll on into the office. And it's cold, cold. And so I look ridiculous. Because I know people will judge other people for not dressing according to the weather. And if you've got a t-shirt on and it's like 30 degrees and then you just kind of look at them and sneer, I don't know what you're doing. Like, let's just dress, let's dress warm. Like, just go ahead and dress how the weather is out there. And now I'm that guy that didn't do it. I did want to ask this question before we really get off of the bus because I was reminiscing and I don't know why I have so much fun reminiscing on this particular story, but I do. Before Colin left the studio, we were talking about 
going to UNC Wilmington team camp. When I did that, when I played for Bunker Hill, shout out to Catawba County, shout out to Claremont, Catfish, all that. When I played at Bunker Hill, we went to UNC Wilmington team camp and we played Hoggard High School at team camp. You brought that up because of Colin. You brought apparently Hoggard got beat in badly here, Fiddy. Why was Hoggard a, a part of the conversation? Uh, they lost their state title game over the weekend. The last time I saw the score, it was 42-14. Okay, so you brought that up for uh, yeah, rough night for Colin, right? The gl- the joke, we get the idea. But it reminded me of an absolute beatdown that we suffered at the hands of Hoggard when I played Stillman White in high school. The Storm and Mormon playing at UNC, a guy that came back after taking his mission trip, came back and played for Carolina. Did he win a championship? Did he get close to one, Fiddy? Oh, God, I can't remember if he was on. He was not on the 17 team, so no. Uh, all right, So, but he had played quite a bit. And so it reminded me of getting beat down every single time that we played a game. My coach at the time thought it was a good idea. Here we are, 2A Bunker Hill High School. Hey, we'll just lift this team up. We'll put them in like 3A, 4A, whatever it was, because if you play better competition, you'll be a better basketball team. Playing up, man, this is how you get better. Well, we got killed every single game by 20, 30, 40. And the first game that we had at camp is when we realized, oh, this is going to be a real problem. And that's when we played Terry Sanford, who at the time got to back-to-back state title championship game appearances. They didn't. I think they might have won one, but they went back-to-back. And so we actually win the tip somehow. I grab the basketball. I'm ready to go. All right, let's start off team camp. And then I think a St. Joe's commit at the time, that's how I would, I would learn that later. St. Joe's commit comes over, just starts wrestling the basketball away from me. You know, I'm trying to get it away. He's pulling, I'm pulling, and I have like I'm the one that grabbed it. This was not some jump ball scenario. He came in and said, "No, this is mine." Grabbed it from me, ripped it, and then they go and dunk it on the other end. We're down to nothing. We would lose by like 50 points, and 11 of those points were only scored by us like I think we had 18. Seven of them were given to us because when you got fouled, you were given a point and then shot one free throw to make time move on. So we only scored like 11 legitimate points against Terry Sanford, and that whole camp was just a straight beatdown of Bunker Hill High School. Did But, Walker, you got to think about the bigger picture here. Without that experience, do you lead the Charlotte 49ers to the Final Four? No, I don't. I'm richer for the experience, and I appreciate you for bringing that up. All of that to say, I want people to write in the time that you played for a high school team, you played for any team, and you just got beat down. Let's all get through this together. What was a time that you played high school athletics? If you played in college, tell me that story too. What was the most embarrassing loss that you ever suffered? Because the other team was just way better. You got embarrassed on all sorts of accounts. I want to know on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. What memory does that bring up for you? 704-570-9610. Okay, Wes isn't here, but we still have to do War Cry Wednesday. I did not forget. Let's do that, and then go ahead and open up the doors and pull up to the scene here. Fiddy, you ready to go? Let's do it. All right, everybody at your cubicle, if you want to do a whisper, if you just want to yell, if you want to be at the intersection, you know what time it is. Wednesday, Wes and Walker, despite Wes not being here, we still do not ignore the War Cry Wednesday. Let's set it up. One, two, three. Welcome to the Fiddy Show! <laughs> Open up the doors, Fiddy. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! 
Seminole Lloyd said 89-0 to in football. That other team was a lot better. Yes, I would say so. Thomas said, I'm a senior. I don't, I'm senior at Hickory Ridge. We lost to Wes's Chamber Squad 63-14 to in football this year. Oh, I'm sorry, Thomas. I don't play football, but I was at every game this year. And we went 3-8. and eight. Willie P. Willie P. wrote in, anytime we played DeMatha, it was a rout. Think really? The, think, <laughs> think one of the games was a 50-burger scenario. Yeah, we're getting a lot of texts just remem- reminiscing on the beatdowns people took when they played high school athletics. Panthero said, Northwest versus A.L. Brown, 1999. Trojans went down that night, 97 to nothing. Nick Maddox rushed for like six touchdowns, and I don't think we tackled him one time all game. 97 to nothing. Almost a hundred to goose egg. That's tough, buddy. I appreciate you sharing that with us. 980 said 1993 South Mex soccer game got beat down by Providence in the state quarterfinals. And I was there. I was a part of the team. It was great. <laughs> I guess being there too, even having some of these stories to tell, it is fun despite you being on the uh, embarrassing side of it all. We'll read a few more. We're getting a lot of text messages on this. 803 said, we were getting beat by 40 at halftime versus Chesterfield. And it was so bad, the coaches didn't even give a speech. We just sat behind the visitor stands pretending to use a traffic cone, smoking a bong. Yeah, that's what you have to do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> they were smoking that spin. Yeah, 704 also said 97 to nothing. Maybe they played on the same team. You guys link up. Uh, Rev Sean here said, I turned the radio on just as you guys were doing the scream and my dog launched a spaceship off my lap. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the four-legged friends out there that get a little scared because, yeah, we did, we did not intend that. All right, I want to read some of the other beatdowns that you guys suffered in high school, suffered in college. But the Carolina Panthers, they've lost quite a few games, too. We might be getting some of the Panthers players that can ride in. Hey, that Colts game, that turned out to be not so good. Miami, despite getting up 14-0, that one turned out not to be so good. And because of all of the losses, because of the scenario that Carolina is in right now, Biddy, I got a text message from one of my group chats. One of the people in there sent a screenshot and said, wait. Walker, can you confirm this? Like, I am the reporter. said, wait, are you telling me that you can only pay 45 cents to get an actual ticket to go watch the Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons play? Now, I looked it up. I went to all of the ticketing sites, and that's not true anymore. But there was a screenshot showing it. I don't know if somebody altered it. You can never tell these days. What we do know is that Joe Person, we could just go to ticket master vivid seats whatever and we could see with our very own eyes that you could only spend five dollars and get into the game i think now you're talking about like nine dollars 13 no matter how you slice it it's the cheapest that i've ever seen this amount of tickets go for to go to a carolina game at bank of america stadium which by the way there's an agreement to continue the naming rights for bank of america Biddy, would you go to a game for just like five dollars Because I know people are like, oh, I don't even want to go. It doesn't matter. This team is so bad. And I hear you on all of that. Panthers fans are are reaching peak apathy. I totally get it. But at like, what? Even if it's $75, 50-yard line, three rows up, at some point the value just becomes too good to not go to the football game. I wonder how many people are actually going to this thing with how cheap tickets are. And would you go, Fiddy, if you were a Panther fan in this scenario? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I would because how many times could you tell in the year of 2023 could you go to a game for 45 cents? 
Like that's like 1948 ticket pricing to go see the Browns play the Steelers. You know, the one of the four times they used to play each other. That was the beer and whiskey league when baseball was first starting out. Yeah, so like, it's just, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about rock bottom this year. That's how you know you're getting rock bottom. I think that's a good point. Like, you know, we're, we're at a point now where like people that invested money in these tickets more money than they are going to get back for them. They're willing to sell them all for as, as, as cheap as 45 cent or five bucks just to get rid of them because it's not worth their time, their effort, or their, their money to go watch this team play. And it's really sad, man, because even when the Panthers have had down years here, it never felt this collectively like morale was down. And that's where we are. I have not seen this fan base in the 27 years it's been here this apathetic towards its football team, and that's that's where it is right now. There are a few things that are adding to this. It's the prolonged losing. If this was the first year, then we wouldn't be so used to it. That's happening, though, now. Now it's even worse than the five wins that you were getting, the six, seven wins that you were getting last year and a few years back. But now it's even worse. You don't expect them to win any game you're going into because Carolina is quite literally the worst team in football. Not one of, not, yeah, maybe in a bottom tier. No, they are in a tier all to themselves with how bad they're playing football this year. They are going to give their number one overall pick to the Chicago Bears because of the trade they made. So it's the prolonged losing, the consistent losing that contributes to this. It's also the weather, which is not supposed to be great this weekend. It's also the fact that the division is so boring. Because every team is below 500, eight wins might just get you a division title and a spot into the postseason. But also with all of these teams, which team in the NFC South is exciting to watch play? You've got some really impressive skill guys for Atlanta, but when your quarterback is Desmond Ritter, he limits what all of those guys out on the perimeter can do. And so you're not even going to Bank of America Stadium to go watch the exciting Atlanta Falcons. You're not going to a Panthers game to go watch the exciting whoever the hell you're playing because the division is so bad and you've got a few games against the division foes every single year at Bank of America Stadium. You even look at some of the other teams that they've played at home this year. The exciting games, trying to point them out, it's not going to be the Falcons. The Cowboys, that's probably one, but you know it was going to be a brutal game for them. Colts, Texans, you didn't have Anthony Richardson, so that lost a lot of luster. You got to go see them play against the Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud exciting, but that only brings people pain with how well he was playing at that time. Minnesota, New Orleans, okay. Those aren't necessarily huge draws. All of that together, Fitty, it amounts to, all right, here we are with one month left to go in the regular season. Give me five bucks and you can get into Bank of America. Yeah, it's it's brutal. It's rough, man. All right. So here we can try to look. I I like how we're trying to bring some positivity every now and then, but we're doing so in the, hey, remind me of a time that you played a team sport and you got trounced by the opposition. We have a bunch of texts to get to, but I love all of them. I love every single one of these because people are having fun going back to the time when they got the beats with one of these teams that they played in high school or in college. We'll read some of these other text messages on the other side of the break. I also want to know what close call decisions for the Panthers this past offseason would you have changed knowing what you know now? Trading up to number two, trading for DeAndre Hopkins, some of the scenarios the Panthers really could have been in. Would you have allowed them, would you have wanted them to make a different decision knowing what you know now? We'll get to plenty of those on the other side. Wes and Walker, Fiddy filling in once again, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. about Fiddy's jokes about Church League is that they're actually true in some fashion. I don't know about when Fiddy tells you, yeah, you know, I scored 40 until I tore my ACL and that's when our team lost the championship. I'm not saying that's actually true, but I did ask Fiddy, hey, do you have anything to contribute to the beatdown conversation? Is there a time where you lost by a million? And you said, no, not really. Maybe in church league, a league softball, there was a couple of teams that destroyed us. But other than that, I haven't really suffered many beatdowns like that, which is just hilarious because you always go to church league and that's that's like the legend where Fiddy was established and it's true. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm not going to hide from it. And also like for me playing church league softball was a big deal because my dad played softball. So like I grew up, when I say I grew up on a ball field, I grew up on a ball field six nights a week because my dad was playing and umping. So I always grew up as a kid wanting to play church league softball. Uh, we won the league my my sophomore year of high school. We won the church league out where I played at Lancaster County. So when you win the league, you get moved up to the next level. And the way that it worked was your run rule limits was down 20 after three, they called the game, 15 after four, or 10 after five. Um, we played three games never got past the third inning and petitioned to the commissioner to let us go back down to B-ball because it was not worth our time to show up and get blown out 15-odd nights out of the summer. It's bad when you're begging the commissioner to go down a level because, please, we can't we can't hurt anymore. We need to go down, so I'm with you on that. That is tough to do. All right, make sure you join me and Colin Hoggard and Josh Fitty Marlowe tonight at the watch party for the Charlotte Hornets taking on the Miami Heat for the second time this week. You can go to Carolina Ale House at the Waverly location and help cheer on the Hornets with a 730 tip. It's 7404 Waverly Walk Avenue, 7404 Waverly Walk Avenue. That's the Carolina Ale House location right here in Charlotte, the WFNZ McLeod. Ultra Watch Party Wednesday night tonight at 7.30 at the Carolina Ale House Waverly location. We'll see you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Have you ever watched a Hornets game with Colin Hoggard? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I've watched a couple of games with him. Okay. So so you know what to expect from the Hogfather while he's... Well, I think Colin more so, probably not with you, but I think Colin more so is probably a little more buttoned up watching these Hornets games with me. One, because a lot of times it's at the Spectrum Center. So it's uh, not like I've watched it at the bar with them. It's not like I've watched it. We we did have to go to the media dining room to watch on the first night because of the available seats or lack thereof. And we still just had to keep it a little bit more buttoned up than 
going crazy, but I would love to see him in his true element here. Tonight. Oh, that's oh yeah, a road game at Miami after the way that they beat the Hornets the other night. Mm-hmm. You're going to get the full uh, the full hog experience, I would imagine. All right, so I want to read some more of these text messages. What was a time that your team got destroyed? Wolfpack Bill said, I graduated from Hunter Huss High School. We had an awesome squad, but we got beat down by Oak Hill Academy in Virginia. Every play was a highlight. We lost by 50, I think. No shame in that. Oak Hill Academy beating you by 50. I could understand that. 704 said Aaron Boone ran all over Sun Valley High School while he played at Weddington. Thick doink coaching Sun Valley Middle School girls basketball was rough. AJ played Joel Berry at Disney for AAU Nationals. And I played point guard. So, yeah, it was a rough one. <laughs> I'm sorry, AJ. Yeah, Joel Berry was nice. It was always there weird that he wasn't a celebrated coming out of high, out of high school uh, because... He's the one of the guys that got better as college went on, but it feels like he was not necessarily as highly touted as some of the other guys that they had coming in. That was the Justin Jackson class too, if I'm well, not mistaken. You're talking about, I mean, he was, I, I believe he was a McDonald's all American member. Theo Pinson was a local guy. So there was more hype about him. I feel like it was like Justin and Theo. And, and yeah, Justin was a top 10 recruiting. Also, you got to remember like Marcus page was an established backcourt member yeah. and he didn't play a whole lot as a freshman. Like, he had the legitimate, true Carolina basketball experience. Mm-hmm. Didn't play a lot as a freshman. Became a starter as a sophomore. Led the team to the national title game. Won a national title his junior year. Um, so, but I mean, I, I, I can remember that because I didn't know when he got on campus that I was going to, oh, he's going to be one of these guys that I'm going to love for the rest of my life. Yeah, it felt like an underground type of prospect where I was on him before everybody else got onto the band that got mm. big. And it wasn't even like that. There's, but there's at least no in better my circle. feeling than when you know yeah. a guy is going to be good before everybody else. Uh, that's true. That's a really good point. Sam from Greensboro said my sophomore year playing at Guilford college, we lost 90 to 60 to Davidson. This is a real stat. You can look it up. Yeah, I bet so. I mean, 30 point beat down to Davidson. I could see that Rodney from Charlotte, the worst beat down in my life. I was an art student at North Carolina school of the arts in Winston Salem. We had what we called a basketball team. (laughs) It's already great. We played all of the high schools in the area, and the worst beatdown ever was a loss to Carver High, 135 points to 35. I thought Carver High was Pharrell's uh, co-host on Sports Grid. I like that. 135 to 35. Imagine a group of artists and musicians playing against grown men with beards who had been held back for four years. I love that one. Rodney, I apologize for your pain, but I'm glad it made for a great story. I absolutely love that story. Uh, Somebody had a game against Ryan Harrow, Jarrell Eddy. So played against Cannon High School in basketball. Mm. We got beat 92 to 20. God, these are bad. These are bad. Where's the sportsmanship gone in high school athletics? I love I love all of these stories. And then we got to the ticket conversations where people are writing in. Yeah, man, you can expect a lot of Atlanta Falcons games, or a lot of Atlanta Falcons fans at this Bank of America stadium this weekend. That's going to be the toughest pill to swallow. Like, I think when, you know, when Minnesota comes to town, you know that their their fans are going to travel because it's already butt cold in Minnesota in October. You know, when the Cowboys <laughs> come to town, it's going to be, you know, ATT, or, you know, AT&T Stadium of Jays. But like when the Dirty Bird fans show up, that's the one where I think as much as any NFC, NFC South team, 
that's the hardest pill to swallow. All right. I, we, we really, I mean, I guess this is why we're not playing professionally. I guess this is why we're not playing D1 somewhere. But there are a lot of people listening to the show <laughs> <laughs> that have some rough experiences in high school. My last one I want to read is from Panther Bo. He said, sophomore year, high school conference golf tournament. Made a 13-10 cup style on a par three to finish dead last individually and benched for a remainder of the season. Um, that's tough because you don't get to start the rest of the way. That's brutal, man. Panther bow. I apologize. I'm laughing at you, yes, but I'm glad you shared that story because now we can all have fun with it. I just wonder what's more excruciating for him, that moment or me cursing Purdue last year in the NCAA tournament, picking them to win the national title game when they lost or win the national title. And they went out in the first round to FDU. Literally did not win one single game. <laughs> yeah, you got that one wrong. You had them not losing a single game. Instead, they didn't win a single game. I want to go back to this Panthers offseason. And I want to go to some of the close call decisions that were on the plate for Carolina and decide whether they actually made the right decision. Or if you could go back in time, would you change what they actually did? And we got a few good ones that aren't talked about a lot, maybe in time. They were the A block stuff, but it's not anything like Steve Wilkes. We're not going to revisit Steve Wilkes because clearly people, in even in hindsight and even then, we wanted him to be the head coach. So C.J. Stroud, I'm not going to go with the, hey, they should have selected C.J. Stroud number one overall because it didn't feel like maybe if McCown and Reich wanted him. But it was pretty clear after a while that Bryce was going to be the guy. So I'm going to go with more of the under-discussed topics. Let's go to this first one here, Fiddy. Now, maybe they didn't select CJ number one. But remember, David Tepper (laughs) couldn't (laughs) wait to tell you about the process trading up to number one overall. (laughs) Here's, I love that. Here's David Tepper discussing the timeline leading up to trading up to number one overall. We had a trade to go up to two. And it was a three-way trade with um, Chicago. And we were going to go up to two. And the Texans were going to trade up to one. Chicago was going to be down to two, and we were going to trade with Chicago. And so we were, you know, we were waiting. We had that trade kind of arranged on Wednesday, I think, Scott. Is that the time one? I think Wednesday. And so, um, you know, we waited. You know, <laughs> and you have to appreciate it. Like, I, I come from a world where you do trades. And I don't love when trades don't happen right away. So I'm driving Scott crazy. I, I have to apologize to Scott for this, by the way. I'm saying, what's going on with these guys? Oh, this no. Right. What's going on? And so Wednesday goes, Thursday goes, we get into Friday, and the, the uh, Texans changed their mind about the trade, about doing the trade, the three-way trade. We got in the afternoon. It's Friday afternoon. And, you know, Scott talked to um, Poles, um, and basically um, he, he, got the, he, he got a value that he would accept for us to move up to one. And that was late Friday afternoon. And basically, we knew that we had to make a decision then because he wanted to get a trade done. We thought that there were other people, including the Raiders, that had better potential uh, trades on the line. And if we waited, um, you know, they may come and jump us if we waited till that beyond that day. Because, um, you, know, you know, we knew that we were the burden in hand. They knew, they knew they had to trade with us, the trade that they, they could like. And we don't want to go with what we thought might be a better trade from us because we're ninth, right? Yeah, seventh there wants to do it and other people want to do it. So we, we all decided that this was the right thing to do for the incremental amount we could trade up. My God, he's excited talking about all that. He's telling you everything. I mean, this is this is his thing. This is his baby. He's like, hey, guys, we we knew they were going to jump us. We didn't want to be the 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 thing that greased the wheels for another team to jump us. So, no, we had, I'm driving Scott crazy. I just want to know what those conversations were like. Hey, uh, Scotty, you going to make the trade or what, man? 
<laughs> the shorter the impression gets, I think the more dramatic the impression gets. <laughs> but there are some telltale signs. Ooh, yeah. He's bothering Scott Fitter all that much. He's apologizing. I'm driving him crazy. He also outed Anyways. like three other organizations in the process. I love it. I know. He he is letting you know exactly what is happening behind the scenes, which as somebody that seeks the information that is interested in the content, I do love all of that. And so pretty clearly, this is one that I think you would go back and trade up to number two, at least in my opinion. This isn't an indictment on Bryce right now. It has not gone well for him. It has not gone well at all for the Carolina Panthers this year. But not even trading up to two because C.J. Stroud is there. It's trading up to two because I think you keep D.J. Moore in that scenario. Yeah. There's such a big jump. The The gap is bigger from one to two, from two, than two to three, than three to four, and so on and so forth, right? Like, you, ha- I don't know how much difference there is from trading up from 11 to nine. But when you trade up from two to one, that's a monster gap. That's the difference between having DJ Moore on the squad and not having DJ Moore on the squad. Yep. That's the difference at least to maybe save another first round pick or at least another third round, whatever. So if you trade up to number two, even if they take CJ Stroud, which all reports tell you that they would have selected Bryce Young also, yep. even if they take CJ, you bring Bryce in in a much better situation, just having talent that can work out on the perimeter with DJ Moore and also not giving them as much draft capital. Clearly, this is a decision that you would do over again, but it does show you just how close they were to not going all the way up to number one, keeping some of the players that they had originally, and then maybe getting a different quarterback also, too. Yeah, I, I saw something today from Pro Football Focus where DJ Moore is the highest graded, I think, newcomer to any team in the NFL this year. So, like, just add insult to injury. He's yeah. been everything and more for Justin Fields and that Bears team this year. And, yeah, you're right, because... You wouldn't have Bryce Young because Bryce would have been drafted by Houston. But we've we've seen what C.J. Stroud's done with Nico Collins and Tank Dell. Well, those guys aren't half as good as D.J. Moore is. So, like, if you'd have put that guy in this offense with that type of weapon, you're maybe having a rookie season not to the same level that you saw with Cam, but it would have been just as exciting. I think they would have been a lot more explosive, and I don't think Carolina would be 1-12 with a fired head coach for a second consecutive season so I think that's one we're looking back on it. Dave Tepper's got to look like, man, I want to be aggressive. But the value chart in the NFL draft, man, it's real. I mean, when remember how much the Bears gave up to go from three to two to draft Mitch Trubisky? Yeah. It literally set their franchise back five years. So Especially with their belief that he could figure it out. And, you know, things went bad there, too. But the point is, the point remains, you got to give up a lot. When you're that high up in the draft, even if you move one spot, it's mm-hmm. still going to take that much more when you're talking about a spot ahead. I want to go to another quarterback addition they could have made this offseason. What about Derek Carr? Playing for the New Orleans Saints. It's not going well for him. It's not going well for the Saints overall. But they still are in position to win the NFC South. And after all... We'd love to be there. We'd love to be there in Carolina at six and seven. So here's Stephen Holder. Remember, Colts insider used to work for ESPN. Now he's an NFL nation, uh, NFL overall reporter. And he joined us talking about the sentiment around the league was that Reich wanted Stroud and maybe even Derek Carr, too, if they wanted to go after a veteran QB. I've heard him have to kind of talk his way out of these situations before where it's like, I really don't want to deal with the owner on this, but I have to, (laughs) you know? And so it sounded so familiar to me. And then the other thing I would say is that anything related to the quarterback choice, those are 
Those are things that have been said by other people in the league. Mm-hmm. Did not come from Frank Reich in particular, but I do think that sentiment is out there. That belief is out there, and that's what people in the league. That's what a lot of people in the league believe is that they had their mindset in someone else. And it doesn't mean the owner made the quarterback decision. I'm not saying that, but he certainly had a hand in it and influence. All right. So Stroud, that was the belief for Frank Reich and what he wanted. But also there was the belief that even maybe he wanted Derek Carr Yeah, because he's a veteran QB. It makes sense. We've seen Frank Reich do this before. I didn't mind what I saw on the field from Frank Reich from an X's and O standpoint with the Indianapolis Colts. I didn't mind. I don't know some of the ways that he played offense with running the ball with Jonathan Taylor, when you had the good QBs, that was when they were able to put together a good record. Andrew Luck at the beginning, Phillip Rivers, when we didn't even think he had anything left, actually put together a pretty good season with the Colts. They are within a drive of beating the Bills in the postseason. But Frank Reich, I wanted his quarterback selecting power taken away because he vouched so much for Carson Wentz and it went horribly wrong. There are reports about him, like, maybe even crying to Jim Mersey and apologizing for the addition to Carson Wentz. I don't know how much of the emotion is true, but he did apologize reportedly for bringing Carson Wentz on when he vouched for him so much. Derek Carr is a little bit of an interesting situation here. I would say I'm glad they did not go after Derek Carr. Yes. You're feeling that same way, even if this offseason you actually entertained the idea because Derek Carr would be considered the best QB immediately upon stepping foot in the NFC South. I think it was you and I that got into a passionate debate about the Derek Carr. Well, and Wes was on your side, too. And Wes was, too. But, I mean, I think I was the guy that was really pounding the table saying, like, if you can get that guy here, let's go get him. Um, and, look, he's not in the in the best situation in New Orleans, but he's got a better offensive line. He's got better weapons. And his play isn't, you know, that much to the point where I'm like, man, I wish he was here in Carolina. And so, and looking at the money they invested in him, I think Carolina made the right decision not going after another veteran quarterback to pair with Frank Reich. Yeah, because also here we are talking about the consistent bad uh, decisions, the consistent losing with this team. If you go after Derek Carr after having gone for Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Teddy Bridgewater in three straight seasons. Yeah, Derek Carr is better than all of those guys. Yeah, I'm not trying to get it twisted. But Derek Carr wasn't good enough, in my opinion, to justify giving him more money than those three QBs got to come over here and also give you a six and seven record when they have Chris Olave. They had Michael Thomas, at least for the first half of the season. They have Alvin Kamara. So when he came back, he's been very good since coming back, which I didn't think he had much left in the tank. Anyway, the defense is good. And yet this is a six and seven football team we're talking about. And Derek Carr, while putting together a few 300 yard performances, He is throwing the ball downfield more so. The decision-making on his part doesn't seem good. He's turning the ball over. He's making bad throws. So I still would take Bryce Young, even even this year. I don't need anything else. Even at 1 and 11, 1 and 12, maybe one win and 1 and 16 all year long. I'd still rather have Bryce Young here than Derek Carr, even given the circumstances. I'm going to continue this convo. There are a few other scenarios we did not go over. We can do that on the other side of the break. We have some Charlotte Hornets conversation to get to. And a former Carolina Panther, now college sports, Big Ten Radio, Series XM host, Ben Hartsock. He's going to be joining us at the beginning of the 1 o'clock hour. Lots more to get to. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's the Wesson Walker Show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. 
Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Josh Fitty Marlowe filling in for Wes Bryant. Hope to have him back by the end of the week. I think right now the plan is to bring him back Friday. Going to be out again tomorrow. So almost, almost a full week. The other thing we need to do here, I feel like because we were in Boston, we also have Christmas vacation uh, breaks that we're going to be taking Wes is out because he's feeling ill. So like now there just haven't been enough times for us to, as a show celebrate in some of the punishments that we have to go through because of the street Turkey wheel of death. Isn't working with me alone, just a big, a big enough punishment for you. <laughs> Flounder is in the studio <laughs> shaking his head. Yes. Flounder would know, I think as well as anybody. No, it's not fitty. I'm not going to do that to you. You can be self-deprecating. I am not going to insult you. It is. It has been a pleasure working with you this week. But maybe we just do this in January. I don't want to keep pushing this off because we need to provide the people with the punishments that I promised them. It's also, in my opinion, like I think it's a great way to kick off the new year. That's true. Just it's a go good ahead point. and punish ourselves for what's probably going to be another miserable sports season in the Carolinas. Yeah, that's true. So maybe we just kick off the year with that. Maybe that's what we do. I'm not trying to, I promise I'm not procrastinating. I promise we'll get through the punishments, but it's just everybody's out. I don't want to wear a Bumblebee costume without everybody in the studio. Yeah, I I, I was hoping that Monday was going to be the buzz, the buzz costume day. I thought about it. I did. I thought about kicking us off because it feels like that's the punishment we should lead off all the other punishments with. Yes, that's the one I think I'm the most excited for. You know, You want to know the one I... I'm loathing the most, and it's because I just, I didn't figure out the exact details the correct way, but after all, it is a punishment, and it's going to be really hard. I feel like I should have given myself more time to finish a two liter of orange soda than just a segment's worth of time. Yeah, that's, how do I do? (laughs) Shroppy is laughing at my pain in the background. I'm a little worried about that one. That one's the one I'm, the more I think about it, you're going to be audibly belching over the radio. Well, because and I'm going to have to do it during a 20 because it's the longest segment. We're going to have to go over to give me at least 20 minutes to finish that thing. But I actually thought, okay, 20 minutes is a good, you're going to hurt. It's going to be entertaining, but also like you can probably do it. I was trying to find the right ratio, the right balance with all of those things. But every time I tell someone I got to do it within a segment's worth of time, I saw Kyle's face. He was the first one I realized, oh, I bleeped up. You know... We Kyle, all Kyle looked at me like, oh, buddy, that is an awful decision. I told my girlfriend. She looked at me like, oh, that's an awful decision. No one has comforted me at all in this. We all have different things on our our, our TikTok algorithms. There's a guy that I watch um, that will like drink like full liters of like a, of a drink product in one sitting. Oh, yeah. I could probably send you his 
tutorial on what allows them to do it. And maybe you just gulp a two liter of orange soda. Never been able to chug, though. In college, if there was ever this chugging contest, just couldn't do it. There was, I just, when you bring out the funnel, nope, never could do really? it. Really? Oh, yeah, I was awful at it. I mean, I, I you know, definitely wanted to partake. I'm not going to sit out and sit the bench and say, hey, all right, you guys have fun. I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best, Fiddy. I got an A for effort, but really like a, an F in execution. I would get destroyed just like Terry Sanford did me in high school in oh, any of these chugging contests. We don't want to see that again. I, I, we really don't. Speaking of some of those beatdowns, I'm going to go back because, there, I mean, there are so many stories. I apologize if I don't get to your text message. 704 said, we played Jamison Crowder in high school. He returned every kickoff and punt. For a touchdown. Seven oh four rode in. These That's just poor coaching. Quit kicking him the ball. I, I know at some point at some point you just gotta go water boy and kneel every time. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you would still be punting at that point. So like what do you do? Do you just go for it every time and then just turn over on downs? That's what you do. Yeah. Yeah, that is poor coaching. Just turn over on downs. Go for it every fourth down. That way you don't have to kick or punt to Jamison Crowder. 704 said, yeah, man, these high school teams are running up their net metrics. Uh, that's that's absolutely true. When I said the Guilford-Davidson score, Sam in Greensboro, he corrected me. said, no, Walker, that's not a basketball score. That was a football score when they lost 90-60. to 60. Oh, I, yeah, I, I remember that. Okay, there, so people can it, – it's funny some people remember – these games that people are writing in and like, Oh yeah, I remember I was on the other team. So it's kind of cool seeing some of that. 704 wrote in, we scrimmaged crest and I had to try to block Brandon spikes. He looked like he was 39 in high school. Yes, he did. He kicked my ass up and down the field all day long. <laughs> no shame, man. Brandon spikes was a grown man in high school. He was. That guy had a full beard. He had to be shaving by the time he was 10 years old. So Brandon spikes, him destroying you, no shame in that. Nick from Belmont, feels so bad for all these stories. Growing up in McAddenville and Belmont, the most game, uh, the games I've ever lost in a season from Pop Warner through his football was two losses in a season. Yeah, this text is tough. I'm sorry, Nick. But they were a part of the teams that had running clocks and Pop Warner where the other teams were getting the ball back after failing to score, and then they would get the third string in there, and they would still put up points. I tried my best to make up that text message, but it looks like it didn't matter second or third stringers. They were getting destroyed, too. That's what it looks like from that text. Um, and then the last one, as we go back to the Carolina Panthers scenario, 980 said, I hate to say it, but I miss Teddy Two Gloves. It's the best QB play that we've gotten post-Cam Newton era, especially the first half of the Teddy Two Gloves era. The first half of that season, he's the best QB that we've had. Darnold was 5-2 and two last year as a starter. Yeah, but he and that's true. But the first eight games of Teddy Bridgewater, I thought that was the best quarterbacking that we have seen since Cam Newton and his arm were shot. Yeah, I mean, th at the time, like, the, was it a three-year, $60 million contract? It, 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 it didn't seem far-fetched. It seemed like they had maybe made the right quarterback decision at the time because of what where, where Cam's body was. But, man, that second half was rough. And when Teddy left, man, you know, we're sitting there, and he, he didn't care. He let everybody know. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Joe Brady wasn't practicing two-minute drills. And Brandon Marshall, I think, was the guy that said, wait, we ran two-minute drills. Like, every Thursday it was install for every single week. Once a week we did it. And Teddy Bridgewater talked about how they didn't really do situational football like that. And so let, let's go to one other one. We, I, this can be a theme throughout the show. That's what we can do because we're reminiscing on getting killed by high school football teams, high school basketball teams back in the day. And so let's bring up one other scenario that the uh, that the Panthers could have been in on this past offseason. 
Signing Leonard Floyd. So Leonard Floyd and a couple of free agents. We'll get to another one a little bit later on. But Leonard Floyd, after getting drafted in the first round by the Chicago Bears and then going to the L.A. Rams, he was a free agent this offseason, and he was one of the late holdovers that was still there to be had for quite some time. Eventually, the Bills pick him up, and he started all 13 games for them, and he has nine and a half sacks in 13 games. Yep. There were a couple of free agents. I'll just lump this one in there, too. DeAndre Hopkins, like both of these guys. Fitty, if if one or the other was the decision, okay. But more so DeAndre, if I had to pick, just because we need any help at all on the offensive side. You could have traded for DeAndre, but also you could have just waited and then paid him a little bit more to have him help Bryce Young in his rookie season. Leonard Floyd and DeAndre Hopkins, either one of them I would have welcomed. More so Hopkins to help the offense. But it feels like they missed out on Leonard Floyd, too, because he was there to be had. I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know DeAndre Hopkins' stats off the top of my head. Well, since Will Levis has been playing, he's been helping Levis out quite and, a bit. And, and that was my point. I feel like his presence on the field has eased that transition for that rookie quarterback to where he's now maybe the quarterback of the future there in Tennessee. Here's my question with Leonard Floyd, because I think every host here at the station said in June and July, Scott Fitterer, you're in on every move. This guy's available. Go get him. And you look at the production, that production is very much warranted. Maybe Carolina should have went and got him. But do you think if they would have brought him in, that would have stunted the growth of Derrick Brown and would have been worth it? Oh, I don't think it stunts the growth of Derrick Brown. You think you're talking about the defensive tackle. You think that I, I just don't think I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. Like, like, does Derrick Brown become the player he becomes if you put another guy opposite Brian Burns? Or did Derrick Brown take the on him and saying, hey, Burns ain't getting the job done. We like Marquis Haynes YGM. But I got to be more of a presence because he's elevated his play to a level that I didn't expect him to this year. Oh, I, I think it might even help him. It could. I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I hear you. I, th- I think I think it could even help him because it's just another guy you have to pay attention to. You have to pay attention to Brian Burns. Even if you think he's been underwhelming this year, you still have to block him and account for him because he'll beat you on the outside. And we've even seen some pressures that he gave you against Derek Carr this past time out, even though people wanted more sacks from him. On the opposite side, Leonard Floyd over YGM, over even Justin Houston, who I thought was playing well enough. And he's been a fine enough pass rusher. But Leonard Floyd has been getting home a lot more because mm-hmm. he's just younger. Yeah, man. I think that would just make this defensive line that much better. And here's a quote from Rick Spielman, former Vikings GM, now turned, uh, I believe he's hosting a podcast now. I know he's on in, in, uh, in, in media circles quite a bit. Rick Spielman said, Carolina's moving to a 3-4 defense under Averro, which means both edge rushers have to be a little more undersized. They have to have the quickness to get upfield. And they have that in Brian Burns, but YGM, he doesn't really fit the 3-4 edge rusher role. He's more of a 5 technique, so they have to go out and get another edge rusher to pair with Burns. Now, eventually that would happen with Justin Houston, but Spielman would go on to say the Panthers have a solid defense already, plus they've got an offense with a lot of young players that will help them grow. Yeah, that's not happening. But their defense... We'll have to keep them in games early. In my opinion, Floyd is the best fit for their defensive scheme and team needs. So people were, I mean, we talked about it a lot. Leonard Floyd was there and he goes to the Bills. They're much more of a contender at the time, but it felt like we had a real run at him and we weren't uh, weren't able to bring him aboard. So I feel like that's something that I would have gone the other way on knowing what we know now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those where like you use... You know, their own words against him. Scott Fitterer said, you're in on every deal. Everybody looked at this guy and said, perfect fit. 
would elevate your defense to an even higher level than what it's even playing at right now. DeAndre Hopkins would have been, even though he's not the guy he was five years ago, would have been a number one target for Bryce Young. It's like when you're not making those moves with trade on every deal, you're not really in on every deal. All right, so let's go to Ben Hartsock on the other side of the break. He is a host on SiriusXM talking college football, Big Ten, also played for the Carolina Panthers. That's what I really brought him on for because he was a part of the transition from 2010 to 2011. A lot of people have made the comparisons of that 2010 two-win football team to what we're undergoing right now. So Ben Hartsock playing with a rookie QB in Cam Newton, playing with this Carolina Panther squad as they were down and then got to the postseason. Let's hear what he has to say. Coming up next, Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.